let me just look over again to Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going to start over here this evening. Praise God. Um, but it says here, Ephesians 6 and verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen. We're going to do it in his strength. You can't um, come up against the, um, the, the attacks of the devil, you know, without being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And the Bible lets us know how to do that. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take on to you the whole armor of God. We have to take it all on. Amen. Not just part of it. You take on all the armor. If you only take on part of it, it leaves you vulnerable. And we don't need to be vulnerable. We need to be secure in the armor of God. When you're in the armor of God, you're standing in the strength of God. Praise God. And you're able to withstand whatever comes against you. You're able to withstand the wiles of the devil. You're able to keep standing in the evil day. You're able to, uh, to, to quench the very darts of the wicked one. When you stand in the armor of God. Amen. Um, and then it says here in verse um, 14, it says, Wherefore take unto you, or sorry, verse 13. Let me just read that again. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. What do you do? You stand therefore, amen. Having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Amen. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we, we um, looked at the girdle of truth, the belt of truth. Tonight, I'm going to go on and I'm going to look at the, the um, breastplate of righteousness. Praise God. I tell you, for believers, this is essential. They're all essential because you need it all to withstand the attacks of the enemy. Amen. But I'm telling you, we need to understand our identity in Christ Jesus because what you stand in, what you put on as far as your identity is going to be vital to your life. We all need to stand in our identity and who we are in Christ Jesus. Amen. You need to know who God has made you. To be able to stand. Now, the breastplate. The breastplate was a very happy part of the armor. Okay? I have a couple of the images. It's that one we have been using. But you can see the breastplate there. This is many times how, how it was uh, it was put together. There's different ways. Depending on how wealthy you were and different things. You know, people had better armor than others. Um, but you know what? The, this is typical where you had, you know, these different layers of metal. And you can see that the armor there, it came around to the back as well. And many times people will say, you know, we don't have any back armor, but really the breastplate of righteousness on a Roman soldier, it covered the front and the back. It allowed you to be protected front and back, okay? Let me just flick through a couple of those images there. You can just see again what the, the soldier looked like. You can see the, the belt of truth there. The, and again, we're not looking at being like a, a Roman soldier. We're getting dressed in the Word of God, really. We're putting on who we are in Christ. We're standing, and when you stand in who you are in Christ, 
Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 13, you put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You're standing in the power of his might. It's Christ then that's living through you. Amen. Paul said, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the, the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. We, are, we have that mindset of Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're taking that and then wearing it on the outside. That's really what it is. But the Roman soldier um, armor just gives us a visual but really, like, it's, it's, it's about knowing the word. You can know all of these parts of the Roman soldier's armor and still not put on the armor of God. You can know the visual of it and still not put on the armor of God. You only put on the armor of God when you put the word on. When you put the word of God on and you stand in who you are in Christ, then you're in the armor of God dressed. Amen. But it's just giving you a visual of it there. So it protects the chest area. It protects the vital organs. And you, when you um, look at us as believers, we need to understand that knowing you're the righteousness of God, it protects you in your core as, in, as your identity in Christ Jesus. Amen. It protects you so that you know who you are in Christ Jesus. So that armor was vital for a soldier, but it's also righteousness is vital for us. Because, with, you know, you take one blow to the heart, you're depending just how you're hit. But if you're hit right... Your life could be gone in seconds with just the right blow. And so for a soldier to have that breastplate on was crucial. Amen. Let me say this as well. The belt of truth, it, it is your foundation for righteousness because, you know, it's like we, what we said when we looked at the belt of truth was, you know what, we made that statement and that's the truth. So when you find out what the word says, then you can say and that's the truth. The, the belt of truth reveals to us our identity, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But you have to then wear that, that yes, the, the belt of truth, whatever God says, that's the truth. That allows you then to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Because then when God says you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you don't turn around and say, oh, yeah, I'm a worm. No, you say, no, you say what God says. That's what confession is. Confession is saying the same thing about your life that God says about your life. Amen. It's one part of confession. There's other things. I'm not talking about religious confession where sometimes people have thinking just, you know, you know, confessing in a box or something like that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about confessing what God's word says over your life. If God says you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you say that's the truth. You don't turn around and say, oh, no, I'm, you know, I'm just a beggar just crawling through life and one day I'll be in glory. Yeah, you're going to live in hell now. No, we need to live in our identity of who God says we are. And I know for um, religious people, that is hard to do to turn around and say you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because every religious part of your body <laughs> just resists that. And your religious thinking resists that. But praise God, we're not going by religion. We go by what the word says. Amen. And so you can just see the armor. I put up a couple of these here, pictures here. There's another one as well. You can just see, if you put up another one there as well. I'm just giving you the image. You see, it's all layered metal, and it just protects the hard area. And, and, and the, the breastplate of righteousness was a heavy part to wear. And, um, you know, from, based on what I've looked at, you know, for the Roman soldier, the belt had a part in, in uh, uh, taking the weight off of that as well. So it, was, it helped with the weight. 
And again, you, you know, whenever you stand in truth, let me tell you, you can build on that. You can, you can wear and stand in who you are in Christ Jesus. Whenever you know the Word of God, that the Word of God is truth, you establish that, that the Word of God is true. God can't lie. I'm sticking with what God says, no matter what anybody else says. Amen. Then you can build on that. Um, so let, let me just look at this here as well. I used to um, ride scramblers whenever I was younger, and we used to wear stuff like that. You know, probably look at stuff like that in the house. You know, it's um, um, ch chest um, protection, protects your ch chest, your shoulders, and your back. And it's the same principle. So if you came off the bike, that, you know what, if you, you fall, the handlebars can come up. You could land down on your chest or, you know, so it's, it's a protection. It protects you. So whenever a blow comes, you are protected. Well, let me tell you, Satan comes with blows to each one of us, and he goes after your identity. But when you're standing in the armor, it's not going to penetrate because you know who you are in Christ Jesus. Again, like the American um, footballers, they, they were that kind of protection as well. So you can see in the next slide, you can see there, you know, what they were protection as well. If you're going to do any kind of contact sport like that, you know what, there's certain armor that you use that helps protect you from certain blows and you know what as a believer we need that protection and that protection for your identity is the righteousness of God you need to know who you are in Christ Jesus it is absolutely essential. You cannot overemphasize the importance of knowing your identity in Christ Jesus. If you don't know you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you're going to identify as a sinner. You're going to identify, you're going to wear like a, 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 a t-shirt of sin instead of armor of righteousness. And the devil will be able to beat your brains out. He'll be able to come with heavy blows. And you'll fall flat on your face because you don't know who you are. And I'm telling you, there are millions of Christians who are crippled because they don't know their identity in Christ Jesus. They'll not walk in what God has for them. They'll not believe God for anything. They won't stand and take God at his word. They'll always come before God with this false humility like this before God. They'll never come boldly to God. They'll never be able to stand in who they are in Christ Jesus. And when, if you come before God like this, you're going to come before the devil like that as well. In fear and trembling. But if you know that you can come boldly to your father, well then you can stand boldly in life. It's so important to know who you are in Christ Jesus. You can't overemphasize it. You know, you have the, the, the famous phrase in Christianity, I'm an old, unworthy sinner saved by grace. And that is so false. We're not a hybrid. We don't have two natures, okay? You're not a sinner and the righteousness of God. You're not a sinner and saved. You're one or the other. You can't be both. It is true that before we come to Jesus, we're all sinners in need of a Savior. But once you receive Jesus, you are born again. And old things pass away. And all things become new. And that sin nature has got a massive laxative. And it is flushed out of there. I mean, it is gone. 
totally gone. And what remains is your new identity in Christ Jesus, that you are who God says you are. You take your identity from that born again part, not your body and not your mind. You take your identity from the new creature in Christ Jesus. And we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, when you talk about righteousness, okay, righteousness, it's, it's God's perfection. It's God's, you know, excellence. It's who he is in nature, okay? When you talk about righteousness, God is no sin in him whatsoever. I mean, God is righteous. God is light. There's no darkness in him at all. There's no sin in him at all. I mean, God is pure, 100% righteousness. And that is the problem for people when it comes to us saying we're righteous. Because we know that we are not perfect. So then how can you say you're the righteousness of God? Let me tell you, God in himself, he is righteous. I mean, God has no trace of darkness in him. God has no trace of sin in him. Not even a trace. I mean, God is pure, righteous, and holy. He is a righteous, holy God. Amen. Um, but you know what? For us, when we talk about righteousness, I'm going to get that here in a second. We're talking about righteousness, not something that we have earned. It's not something that we have deserved. It's something that has been given to us. Amen. Um, but God himself is perfect righteousness. Amen. Now, when God made man, God made man sinless. God made man perfect, put him in a perfect environment and all of those kind of things. But we know that Adam sinned. And God had warned man. God had warned Adam. Um, over here in Genesis, let me just look here. Genesis chapter 2. God warned man. And he said, uh, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Let me tell you, God wasn't holding anything back from Adam. He gave him, like, a forest of trees. God had given him everything. But there was one tree not to partake of. And that was the tree of the knowledge of well, good and evil. And it says here, but of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For the day you eat thereof, you shall well, surely die. Okay? Now, we know, I'm just speeding through this this evening, but we could spend a lot of time in this, you know, looking at righteousness and get really bogged down in this. I don't want to do that. I just want to show a few things on righteousness this evening. And then uh, the next time we take up the, this part of the armor again, I want to look at how it affects our life. So, um, but let me, let me just look at this for a moment here. We know that Adam did sin, okay? He ended up, he partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, okay? And when Adam sinned, let me tell you, Adam's sin just didn't affect Adam. Adam's sin affected all of us, okay? So when he partook, he partook of for all humanity. And so when he partook of that tree, let me tell you, he ended up being a sinner, okay? So instead of being righteous before God, he ended up being a sinner before God. And he then was in his spirit, was separated from God in his spirit. God still did everything to deal with man on the outward. But you know what? On the inward, Adam's spirit now had a different nature than God's. And he became a sinner. And it's just like when Adam sinned, it became like a virus. Not that it was a virus. It's greater than a virus. It's a nature. Look, we've, we've had the whole 
coronavirus thing, it'd be easier to understand it that way. Do you know somebody was the first person to get that? And then it basically affected the world from one person. Had an impact on the world. Shut down economies, you know what I mean? Had a major impact on people in life. But let me tell you, when Adam sinned, it was going to affect everybody who came into this planet because he's the fountainhead, so everything comes from Adam. So when Adam sinned, he opened up the door and he brought sin and death into the world. And so all of the uh, sickness and disease and the poverty and all of those kind of things is not a result of God. You know, people want to blame God for everything. God didn't bring sin into this planet. He didn't bring destruction into this planet. It was Adam listening to Satan and his, and his wife. That's what, that's what happened. And the Bible says Eve was deceived, but Adam wasn't. Adam wasn't deceived. Adam's eyes were wide open. I mean, Eve must have been some babe because he was standing there with his tongue hanging out and, and sold out everything. He wasn't, he wasn't deceived. Amen. But what happened was, we know, that, we know that when Adam sinned, everybody who came from Adam then was a sinner. And so that's what the whole book of Romans talks about. The whole book of Romans, it's not talking about your sins. There is some verses there that talk about your sins. But it's mainly talking about your nature. That it's, it's sin singular. It's a noun. It's talking about a condition, a place that you stand in before God. That when Adam sinned and anyone who came from Adam, then we were all in the same place of being a sinner before God. That You know what? We couldn't come before God. We were, we were on the outside. You know, we couldn't come boldly to God. We had no access to God. So man was in a major, major situation. And thank God for Jesus, because only, only through Jesus is there the answer. There is no answer anywhere else. Nobody else has the answer. Romans 3 and verse um, 9 says, What then? Are we better than they? Talking about are the Jews better than the Gentiles because they had the word of God? And the answer was no. It didn't matter whether you were a Jew or a Gentile. You were a sinner because you came from Adam. So it's saying here, um, and no, in no wise... For, uh, for we have before proved both Jew and Gentile, look at that, that they are all under sin. So that means everybody was under sin. Everybody needs a savior. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Look, there was no one in themselves. That's what it's talking about. This is a verse that many people use to say that, you know what? No one's righteous, no, not one. How can you say you're the righteousness of God? Well, if you were saying it in yourself, based on your goodness, well then you, you can't say you're righteous. But you know what, if you just keep reading in the book of Romans, we find out that there was a way for us to become righteous, and that was through Jesus. Romans 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you know what, it's amazing how many people know these verses, even Christians, but they don't know squat about us being made righteous. They would say, oh, I'm an old, unworthy sinner saved by grace. There's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And what about the next ones that we're going to read in a moment? Verse um, 
12 of, of chapter 5 as well, just along the same lines, it says, Wherefore, as by one man, look at that, one man, that was Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin. That sin of Adam opened up the door for all of death and destruction, spiritual death, physical death. That's what God said. The day you eat of it, you will surely die or you will die, die. Or in dying, you shall die. In other words, you will die the day you eat it. He died spiritually, separated from God. And 930 years later, he died physically. But all death and destruction came because of one man's disobedience. Not your disobedience, not my disobedience. We were not a sinner because of our disobedience. We were a sinner because we came from Adam. It was one man who made us all sinners. So that made a major problem, didn't it? Like, <laughs> the problem with sin is you can't get yourself out of it. The problem with sins, if you read the book of Romans in chapter 5, it lets you know that you were a slave to sin, which means you couldn't break free. I want to break free, but I couldn't break free. You know what I mean? You couldn't break free from the nature. There was no way for you to break free or me to break free. It needed someone to come and we needed someone to come and save us. Amen. Look at John 1 and verse 29. This was Jesus that time when he came walking towards John the Baptist. And it says, The next day John said Jesus coming and said unto him, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Thank God only Jesus could deal with the sin issue. Only one person can deal with this sin issue. 1, uh, 1 John 3 and verse 5 it says, And you know that he was manifested, talking about Jesus. Why was he manifested? To take away our sins. And in him is no sin. And 1 Peter 1 and verse 18 it says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations. Received by the traditions of your fathers. In other words, anything that you could do, do in yourself to buy or anything, you could not redeem yourself. Didn't matter how rich you were, you could not redeem yourself. It was not something that we could buy. But the only way we could be redeemed was with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. And Jesus was the only one who could come and die for us. And take away our sin. Amen. That changes everything. Yes, in and of ourselves, there's no one righteous, no, not one. In and of ourselves, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But praise God for Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen. Now, there's three, I like to call this like three types of righteousness. I'll explain why. The first one is there's God's righteousness. Just as I said at the beginning, God is righteous, okay? The thing about God being righteous, God has always been righteous. Okay? It's, it's His nature. It's who He is. And so the Bible simply lets us know that in many places that God is a righteous God. Like in, um, Let me just look here in Psalms 129 and verse 4. It says, the Lord is righteous. That's a statement. The Lord is righteous. God is a righteous God. You remember whenever Jesus prayed, he said, oh, righteous father. In John 17, oh, righteous father. 
So God himself is righteous. The thing about God being righteous is he's always been righteous, okay? Then number two, there is self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is religion. It is man's attempt to get close to God. It is man's attempt through his goodness to live up to a better standard. The problem with that is God's righteousness is perfect. And unless your righteousness reaches God's righteous standard, you fall short. That creates a major dilemma. So, so there's self-righteousness. Now, Isaiah 64 and verse 6, it says here, but we were all as an unclean thing. And this always just amazes me, this phrase. All our righteousness is as filthy rags. Not our um, uh, badness, our goodness. See, sometimes people say, oh, I'm a good person. It's not about being a good person or a bad person. It's about your nature. When Adam's sin, man became a, a sinner. We all came from, so we all inherited that. That came down the line. All sin came short of the glory of God. So if I, if I work as hard as I can, it still doesn't change my nature. It doesn't matter how many wee grannies I get across the street. It doesn't matter how many grass, you know, next door neighbor's grass or whatever I cut or, you know, work in a charity shop or do all them things, which are all good things in life. It makes society better, but it doesn't change your nature. It's like in the book of Proverbs when it talks about the pig and you can pretty the pig up, but it's still a pig. You can put lipstick on it and it's still a pig. You can stick an earring in it and it's still a pig. Because you can't change the pig's nature. It would take a miracle to change the pig's nature. Well, let me tell you, it takes a miracle to change someone from being a sinner to being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It takes a miracle to get us out of Adam and to put us into Christ. That's the greatest miracle there is. And here's the thing. If somehow you could change the nature of a pig and you could rip that nature out, it stops being a pig because it doesn't have the nature of a pig anymore. Well, let me tell you, when we got saved, the old Adamic nature was ripped out. And we got a new nature. We became a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen. And you are not who you used to be. You're not a sinner anymore. So why would you identify with being a sinner? Why would you even put sin in the, in the sentence? We need to put righteousness and end the story. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But in ourselves, all of our goodness and performance, it, it's, it's bringing rags before God. In, in Proverbs 23 and verse 21, it talks there about, for the, for the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with what? Rags. Rags is a sign of poverty. Let me tell you, religion is a sign of spiritual poverty. It's bringing your spiritual rags to God, no matter how good you are, no matter how much you pretty it up. On the outside, Jesus is still saying, you know, it's whitewashed tomb. That's what he'll say. He'll say it doesn't amount to anything. So our self-righteousness is not good enough, no matter how good we are. 
Look, here's self-righteousness here, or our righteousness. Look at Deuteronomy 6 and verse 25. It says here, and it shall be our righteousness. Look at that. So it's talking about our righteousness, okay? If we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Now, our righteousness is our ability to, do, to, keep, to keep the law, to, to, to live a, a, an upright life, to live a holy life. The only problem with that is none of us can keep the law. That's why the law was given, to show you by the law is a knowledge of sin. By the law is all the world is guilty before God. Why? Because God put up this perfect standard and said, keep that. And none of us could keep it. So our righteousness, our keeping rules will never make us righteous. Because no matter how good you are, you'll fall short. What about the rich young ruler? One thing you lack, but you many know that one thing was enough to disqualify. So you can be an out-and-out sinner and you're disqualified, or you can break the law in one point and you're disqualified. Why? Because our righteousness before God is filthy rags. God's not... You know, looking at it and saying, you know what, it's based on your performance. So how good you do, if you do really well, we'll round it up to 100. No, if you get 99, he rounds it down to zero and says you failed. 99.99999 is a failure in God's eyes when it comes to self-righteousness. That is a real problem. Amen. Thank God for Jesus. Um, Romans 10 and verse 5, it says, For Moses describes, talking about the law, Moses, Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that a man which does them, uh, um, does those things, shall live by them. And again, it shows you, when you look at the law, without getting into everything tonight, we've mentioned it many times, if you offend in one point of the law, you're guilty of it all, the Bible says. So, if you trust in self-righteousness, it's rags. Here's another great verse. Look at this here. Matthew 5 and verse 20, it says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness, see, this is your righteousness, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you, the ones who set out to keep the law they were disqualified. You had to be higher again than that. That must have been so hard on the ears of some people to realize. So you're telling me that the most holy people in our society, they're not matching up to the standard. And so I have to actually get better than them. No, no, it would be like, be like saying the, the one who could, you know, jump the highest in town but if you want to win the prize, you have to jump higher again than them. And you're, you're thinking there's no way. If they're they're the, the best at doing it. And I have to jump higher than that because then God brings out his standard and says, you think he's jumping high. Here's how high you really have to jump. And everybody's standing there going, well, the best one who runs and jumps, they can only hit this high. How on earth is any of us going to hit that? You know what it was to do? It was to cause man to stop trusting in self. But thank God there was another righteousness. Amen. There's another righteousness, and that is the righteousness of God. Let me just look at uh, Philippines here. 
I'll just run into this. Philippines 3 and verse 6. This is Paul speaking. And Paul said here, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, and touching the righteousness which is of the law. Look at that, blameless. Paul said, I lived a blameless life before man. Okay? But notice this. But Paul was still guilty before God. So you can live a blameless life before man. But that doesn't save you. Paul, you couldn't have pointed a finger and said, Paul, you're missing it in an area. Because you couldn't see. Because he had sins, but they were hidden, internal. When you looked at Paul, you thought, boy, so there is a man that is righteous. And yet, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, Paul was a Pharisee. Unless your righteousness exceeds that, you don't enter the kingdom of God. But thank God a faith on the cross was able to enter the kingdom of God because he didn't trust in his righteousness. He trusted in the one who was on the cross beside him. Amen. He trusted in the one on the cross who was taking his place. It's not about how good you are. It's about what you do with Jesus. Look what Paul goes on here to say. This is another righteousness. There is the gift of righteousness. And the gift of righteousness is, a, is, is righteousness that's given to you. Amen. It has nothing got to do with your morals. It has nothing got to do with your goodness. It has nothing got to do with your performance. It has everything got to do with Jesus' work on the cross. And what he did for you. That's what it's all about. Look what it says here. Verse 9 it says, And being found in him, not having, look at that, my own righteousness which is off the law, or my own goodness, my own law-keeping, my own church attendance, or any of those kind of things. Nothing that I have done, in other words, Paul is saying. He says, but that which is through what? The faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God, what? By what? Faith. The righteousness of the law is by your doing, your performance. You said, I'm going to perform to do better than others and do the best that I can. And hopefully, as people say, when I get to the pearly gates, as they often say, when I see Peter, I'll banter with him and say, you know, well, I did a good job at it. And, you know, they think Peter's at the pearly gates and Peter's going to say in or out. No, it's, it's receiving Jesus is the only answer. And the only way you do it is by faith. What is that? That's, that's putting faith in what Jesus done for you and confessing him as the Lord and Savior of your life. Look at Romans 3 and verse 21. It says, but now the righteousness of God, look at that, without the law or apart from the law, without being good in yourself, is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, Look at this, unto all and upon all them that what? Believe. That's how you get righteous. How do you become righteous? You believe. There's nothing to do with your goodness. All of your goodness is filthy rag. But it's amazing you can be made righteous by believing in the Savior. Amen. You're not righteous because of how good you are. You're righteous because you believed. Stop looking at yourself to see if you're righteous in your actions. Stop looking at your, your thoughts to see if you're righteous. 
Because none of our thoughts are 100% perfect. That's why we keep renewing our mind. Amen? What do you look at? You look at what Jesus done and did you believe the gospel? Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's in the gospel that you become righteous. Only way is by the gospel. No other way. Amen? As the song says, no other way I know. One way to get to heaven. Jesus is the, the only way. There is no other way. Verse, and in verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you know why it's saying, saying all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? The reason it's saying it is because it's saying in the previous verse, it's saying because of what Jesus done, righteousness is available to all because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What it's letting you know is righteousness is available to everyone because nobody, nobody in themselves lived up to the standard. But thank God righteousness is available to everyone. But we've majored in the Christian world on all of sin and come short of the glory of God instead of majoring on righteousness is available for all because all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Praise God. Let me look over to Romans 10 for a second. Again there it says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. To everyone that what? Believes. There was a way to become righteous apart from your performance. And that was believing in what Jesus done. Amen. And it goes on here. Let's just know that how to get saved here. It goes on. Moses described, I read that verse a minute ago. The righteousness which is of the law. That the man that does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Who shall um, descend into heaven, you know, to bring Christ down or, you know, down to the deep to bring Christ up again? Let me tell you, Jesus has already done his work. In other words, we know it doesn't have to be done again. Verse 8, it says, What saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in your mouth. How close is salvation to a person? It's as close as your heart and your mouth. It has nothing got to do with a person's works. It's about believing in your heart and confessing in your mouth what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection. He doesn't have to go and do it again. It's done. And this is the same gospel that we all believed. Look what it says. The, the, that is the word of faith. Which we preach. I know people like to label different movements and different things like that. But if you're not word of faith, you're not saved. Because you're saved through the word of faith. You have to put that word in your heart. It's, you know, you hear the gospel, it gets in your heart. But you then have to act on that. It's a word of faith. Amen. You, you believe then in your heart and you confess with your mouth. Praise God, I tell you, preachers are to preach the word of faith. Because the only way you can get saved is by faith. People can't get saved without faith being taught. Because you have to preach what Jesus done so that faith comes. So that a person then can believe the gospel. That works for everything. But look at verse 9, it says... That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. It's amazing how many people are against the confession message, but you couldn't get saved without the confession message. We say, oh, all this talk, and let me tell you, we, we, anybody that's got saved, what do you do? You see it in churches all the time. If you want to get saved, come up to the front. Someone comes up to the front. What do they do? They've preached the gospel, and then they tell people, do you believe it? Now, repeat this prayer after me. What is that? That's confession. That is saying 
The same thing as what God says. And what you're doing is you believe that Jesus died for you. And with your mouth, you are confessing it to yours. You can see it through confession. And yet it's amazing how many people are against the word of faith. You can't get saved without the word of faith. You can't get saved without believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. But the Bible says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in him. What do you do? You keep hearing so that faith comes, and then you speak it out of your mouth. That comes for anything, any all the promises of God. Start saying what God says about you. Amen? Amen. Verse 10, it says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. How do you become righteous? You believe the gospel. You believe it, and you believe it in your heart, and you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And it is amazing. You become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus apart from your performance, apart from your goodness. In fact, when you ask someone to get saved, you're acknowledging that they're not good enough. You're preaching, telling people you need a savior. You come not perfect, and yet you receive a gift that the scribes and the Pharisees couldn't get by all of their law keeping. Amen? You're not righteous because of how good you are. You're righteous because you're made righteous. Because you believe Jesus. Verse 11, for whosoever what? Believes on him. Notice it's all about believing. There's not one thing in here talked about your goodness. It's all about do you believe what Jesus done for you? Do you see, you'll never put on the breastplate of righteousness if you're going to look to see how good you are. You have to look in the Word and see who God made you. Not your goodness. How you were made when you made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. What, that new creation that is on the inside of you. You're not righteous because you feel righteous. You're not righteous because you have all your ducks in a row. You're righteous because you made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. Amen. Am I saying don't live a set apart life? That's not what we're saying. We looked at that last week, actually. That's not what I'm saying. But you're not a sinner because you sin. You're a sinner because you were born a sinner. Likewise, when you get saved, you're not righteous because of your goodness. You're righteous because you were born righteous. Amen. Now, the key is when you know that you are righteous, it will affect your lifestyle. But it's a fruit. Holiness is a fruit of righteousness. It is not the root of righteousness. What's the root of righteousness? It's what Jesus done for you. And you put in faith in it and you now have a nature that is righteous. Amen. When you know your nature the Bible says, awake to righteousness, and what happens? You sin not. So it's not, I'm not saying, you know, don't live a set-apart life, but what I am saying is, your holiness has absolutely nothing got to do with you being righteous or not being righteous, because it's got to do with your nature. Yeah. Amen? But when you are righteous, let me tell you, when you start to walk and not, believe me, it'll affect your life out here. Because the more you focus on righteousness, the more hatred you'll have towards sin. 
Understand? So sometimes people say, oh, yeah, that, that's, uh, so it doesn't matter how I live. No, it does matter how you live, because the devil beat your brains out. But how you live has nothing got to do with your nature. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. And all of your goodness can't get you out of Adam. Amen. And when you're saved, all your badness can't get you out of Christ. I'm talking about nature. But when you embrace your new nature, let me tell you, it'll affect how you live. Romans 5 and verse 17. Look what it says here. And Romans 5 is all about two people. I always call it the story of, of two people. It's, it's Adam and Jesus. Talks about one man Adam, one man Jesus. One man Adam made us all sinners. Let me tell you, one man Jesus, when you put faith in him, he'll make you righteous. Amen. Look what it says here, verse 17. It says, for as by one man's offense, death reigned by one much more they which receive what? Abundance of grace and the gift. See, righteousness is a gift, okay? So you have God that's righteous, okay? Always has been, always will be. Then you had self-righteousness. We could never be righteous before God and our goodness. But then thank God there's the gift of righteousness. And the gift of righteousness is received by faith, Amen. And when God sees you, he sees you in Christ. Righteous. Amen. You don't have to have a sin consciousness when you know you're the righteousness of God. And look what it says. When you receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, what happens? You reign in life. Righteousness will cause you to reign in life. That means reign as a king. 2 Corinthians 5 Verse 21, it says, For he has made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be what? Made. Not earned. Made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That means that you can come into the presence of God without the sense of inferiority or guilt. That you don't have to come on before God with sin on your conscience. That you can be going before God knowing that the blood of Jesus has washed me whiter than white. Amen. That my nature now is righteous. So you don't have to go before God crippled by your mistakes and failures and all of those kind of things. If you don't take on righteousness, let me tell you what the devil will do. He will condemn you. He will bring up everything in your past and condemn you. He'll condemn you for everything you've done wrong in your life. You know the things you've done wrong in your life. I know, know the things that I've done wrong in my life. Do you know why? Because we still have a memory of it. But before God, it has been taken away. All you're left with is a memory. And if you don't take on this breastplate of righteousness, the devil will beat you in the arena of thoughts. Because he'll tell you, how can you say you're righteous? Look at what you've done. How can you say you're righteous? Just think in those thoughts and you, you say you're righteous. You need to stand up in boldness and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. As long as the devil can keep you in that place of sin consciousness, he'll keep you defeated. Because sin keeps you defeated. Sin consciousness keeps you defeated. Righteousness, consciousness, causes you to start to reign in life. 
to where your mistakes and failures, they don't trip you up anymore. Why? Because he who knew no sin was made to be sin for me. Whose sin was Jesus made to be sin with? Ours. Because Jesus didn't have any sin. But was he made to be sin? Yes. He was made to be sin. He tasted death for every man. He took it in full. He never sinned. But he took our place. He died on that cross. When you see the cross, stop seeing Jesus on that cross. When you read in the word of God, he's not on it anymore, praise God. But when you read in the word and see Jesus on the cross, that is not Jesus on the cross, even though it is. But in substitution, it's him taking our place. It's you on the cross. It's me on the cross. And he provided a death for us so that an old man could die and be buried. Amen. And then he rose up and provided us with a resurrection so that now we have newness of life. Amen. You have a new nature. When you know you have a new nature, things are about to change in your life. Because even though it's taken place, you have to put it on. You have to take that identity on. But as long as you live with that mindset of, oh, I'm just a sinner, you know, come before God like this, you will live a defeated life. I've seen people that are bold in life, but then they get before a religious um, set and Christians, and they change into a different person, their car. The, this false humility because they have this um, wrong concept of a reverential fear of God that they think being having this fear of God means that you come before God terrified no you come before God acknowledging who he is amen but righteousness gives you the right to be there in his presence because you have been given the gift of race, not because of how good you are, but because of how good Jesus is. And you've got a, this amazing gift. And you're there going, God, I praise you. How on earth am I here? But thank God I am. And you stand in that gift. You're not righteous because of how good you are. You're righteous because he took your sin and he gave you his righteousness. Hallelujah. It is a gift of righteousness. But when you embrace that righteousness, that gift of righteousness, it causes you to rule and reign in life. When you rule and reign in life, the devil's not able to defeat you and come against you with the wiles of the devil and trip you up and stop you and come with condemnation and accusations. And you know what? You're enough and you're a nobody. You're this, you're that. Look at the stadium. You know what? Look at what you did. How can you say anything positive after what you did? You just say, I know what Jesus did, amen. And you stand in boldness. Now, when you understand that, what happens is it opens up the door for you to live a life of faith. Because if you don't know you're righteous, you won't come in boldness. You won't speak boldly. You won't declare boldly. You won't speak anything with authority. You won't resist the devil. Because you have a sin tag. Praise God. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hebrews says you have to take on that consciousness of that. And that's what it means to put on. And I'll show one verse and I'll close here. But look at Ephesians 4. But that's what it means. You have to put this on. You have to put on your identity. It's not arrogance. People think, oh, that's arrogance. People make, mix up confidence and arrogance. Arrogance is out of self. The root is self, and it produces an arrogance. It produces a pride. 
No, confidence in the word of God comes out of knowing God and knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. There's, n- there's no self in it whatsoever. It's not I'm the righteousness of God. It's I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Only Jesus. It's because I got in him. Amen. Now look what it says here. Verse 24, it says, And not you put on the new man. You already are the new man. You have to what? Put it on. Okay? That's what putting on the breastplate of righteousness is standing in your identity. It's when you recognize who God has made you and you step up and you say, this is who I am in God and I'm ready to be who God's called me to be in life. Amen? You get the shoulders back, so to speak, and the chest is out, not in self, in Christ. To where when the devil comes against you, you don't run from him. You stand up and say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Look what it says here. Which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The, the, the inward man, the new man is created. It's created righteousness that have nothing got to do with your goodness. When you believed in your heart, confessed Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, you became a new creature and you were created righteous. And now you have right standing with God. You don't have to feel that you have wrong standing with God ever. You have right standing with God. You don't ever have to think, oh, can I come before God? I'm so embarrassed. You have to see, I can come before God 24-7, seven days a week. Amen. But do you notice it says um, there um, is created. What is it? Is is present tense, isn't it? Be like, if I said, you know what? The building is on fire. Well, it's presently on fire. But if I say it was on fire, it wasn't, now it's out. Or it will be, then it could be tomorrow or the next day. But when you say it is on fire, that's present. But let me tell you, when it says here, after the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, that means right now you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's present tense, living the present tense reality of who God made you, amen? Now, when Tyler was younger, Tyler used to love dressing up as a superhero. And you know what? You see, whenever you put on Captain America's outfit or Batman's outfit or whatever, He'd have the shield and everything out so he would have been as Captain America and I would come. See, as soon as he put on that suit, his personality changed. When he put on that suit, it's like his confidence changed. But you took him out of the suit, you know, he's just playing about and just doing his thing. But once you put him in that suit, all of a sudden he stepped up because now he didn't see himself as Tyler. He seen himself as Captain America. Let me tell you, when you put on the armor of God, you stop seeing yourself in yourself and you start seeing yourself in Christ. And when you put on the armor of God, when you step up on the breastplate of righteousness and you put it on, there's a, a confidence that comes. It's not arrogance, it's confidence. I'm a child of God. I have a right to come before my Father. Praise God, I come boldly before my Father. I receive grace to help in a time of need. Amen. I can come before my Father day or night. Amen. Praise God. And... It makes you bold in life to where when Satan comes against you, you stand in who you are in Christ Jesus. When he comes with accusations, you stand and you know who you are because the blood of Jesus has washed you 
from all your sin. He can't throw anything at you and it stick anymore. When he brings up your past, you just stand there and say, I am presently, right now, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. His accusations don't stick anymore. Amen? They don't stick anymore. They just roll off you like somebody throwing cotton wool at you. It doesn't stick. Because you know you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Praise God. When you know that, put it on. Amen? And the next time we'll, we'll get looking at the effects of that. Because I'm telling you, there are great effects when you know who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Praise God. We'll close there um, this evening. Amen.